Welcome back to the Loftcast, QPR's official club podcast. I'm Ian Taylor from the QPR media team and today I'm joined by my media colleague Paul Morrissey and QPR club ambassador Andy Sinton. We'll be picking the bones out of our last three fixtures, which didn't quite go our way, as well as hearing from one of the latest inductees into the Forever Ars Club, the legendary Dave Thomas. We'll also be catching up with midfielder Luke Freeman as the focus of attention switches to our Good Friday clash against his old club, Bristol City. Another chance may come their way now! And it has come their way! This time Matt Smith does take the opportunity! And now Brighton have something to think about! Gents, welcome along. Let's firstly turn our attention to Friday night then. Um, a defeat against Brighton. But Andy Sinton, we probably could and maybe should have come away with something to show for our efforts. Yeah, the last 25 minutes we really had a, a go again. Uh, it's quite similar to the, the Villa game mm. uh, in the week. You know, Brighton, in my opinion, really, really good side. Um, thought it was nip and tuck the first half. Uh, you know, got a couple of players in their side with a bit of quality, as it showed on Friday night. But um, now, as I say, um, we we really threw everything at them in the last 25 minutes and could have come away with something. It was interesting, actually, because if you look at the team selection, there were seven changes in all, weren't they, from the outset? Robinson and Morrison, the main talking points, Paul. And I think we're all a little bit surprised when that team came out. Yeah, brilliant. Obviously, Jack's been in and around the, f- the first team squad in the last couple of weeks, so it's great to see him back and getting match minutes under his belt. He, and he certainly did well when he played. He always seems to do well when he plays. Let's mm. just hope now he can steer clear it's of keeping the him injuries. Fit, isn't it? Because Jake Bidwell's been excellent for us this, this season as well, so to get in the side ahead of Jake is no mean feat either. So we'd certainly be in a strong position at left-back if we can have both of them available and fit through next season so great to see him back and certainly Ravel Morrison was the surprise starter his first start since he's returned <coughs> to the club so yeah I think that took a, a lot of people by surprise but Ollie likes to do that doesn't he he likes to change things and, and catch people out uh, interestingly Mark Burcham was saying this morning that after the game when Chris Hewton went in to, to see the manager afterwards and, and the coaching staff that he was very complimentary of QPR and he actually said Chris Hewton was saying to them, it's been very difficult for us to prepare for this game because we do scouting work on, on you guys and you change your formation, you change your personnel, but you're always a threat and always look dangerous. So because you're so capable in all these different ways, it's difficult to know what to expect mm. when we're preparing. And, you know, that's coming from the league leaders that they found it difficult to prepare for us, which says a lot about how quickly Ian Holloway has worked in not only building a squad, but building a squad that's capable of playing in a in a m- number of different ways. Yeah, we'll talk about Aston Villa shortly, but Oli came in here after the Villa game and spoke to me for a good 20 minutes and said that he'd heard a few murmurs on the radio about his team selection for Villa and why he did this and why he did that and why he went for that formation. And, you know, he, he got quite uptight about it all. And his, his answer was that he picks teams specifically for the opposition. And, and perhaps a lot of managers these days just churn out the same starting 11 in the same formation, Andy. So there's a lot to be said for that innovative approach. Well, I think if you go back to his very, very first interview that he did back in November when he came back, uh, he actually said that. He said he's learnt a lot over his managerial career, that he, he picks certain teams for certain games, certain ways, certain formations. And uh, I think he deserves quite a bit of credit for the way he's formulated a squad in the three months or so. Mm, using uh, that transfer window as he did. Yeah, and Paul's just touched on it. You know, that one, he can do that, but still making us really, really competitive. Um, there's the old adage, you know, what is your best side? Maybe Ian doesn't know his best side yet, but as I say, he's brave. And listen, as a manager, if you if you win the game, you get it right, no matter what team you play. If, it, if you come up short, 
people will always say, well, should he have played? Should I say, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But uh, no, I think in, in many senses, from a positive point of view, it's a, it's a reflection on the squad that we can now tinker a little bit. Uh, and still be competitive, albeit just came up that little bit short in the last week or so. And if sorry, if you're not going to try out players in different formations now at this stage of then the season, you then when are you? Yeah. For instance, Luke Freeman said, oh, "I've never really played in the the centre. Normally, I'm playing wide, but actually, I quite like playing in the centre. I, I get on the ball more. I'm able to influence matches more. Well, yeah. surely this is a perfect time to discover. Actually, we've got that as an option. This is the time to be trying these And things. also, Ollie, he'll be, and his coaching stuff, I'm a great believer, you learn something about your players every day. Every time you train, every time you play, he'll have one eye on next season, you mm. know, who can really do what he wants to do, if he wants to change it within games or from game to game, who can do what. So, um, as I say, I think, he's, I think he's doing the right thing. And it looked like he had got it right, especially in the first half. It was very tight, wasn't it? Okay, they had two efforts correctly, I will say, ruled out for offside and, and fair play to the officials for that. But did the officials miss one with the with the dunk handball? Because that looked, that looked a clear handball that should have really gone in Rangers favour. Yeah, to the naked eye when I was watching, I, I thought it and haven't seen him back. Um, it definitely was. It definitely was. So he uh, leans into it, doesn't he? Leans it? into it. It's one of those ones you always hope you get for you and you're a little bit aggrieved if they go against you. But as I say, um, I thought it was, you know, take my QPR hat off I thought it was a I thought it was a I thought it was a handball and a penalty yeah and then the second half um, they, they took advantage of that penalty not being given um, two goals in a really short period of time and the first was poor defending I think Ian Holloway has said that the second was out of this world unstoppable free kick yeah and is that the difference if you like a very fine margins and Brighton we'd really limited them okay they had the two goals disallowed but like you say rightly disallowed we limited them largely and then Glenn Murray's through the first real one-on-one -on -one opportunity that they've had and Alex Smithies we know how good he is in those situations yeah. but Glenn Murray was absolutely clinical and then six minutes later they have a free kick and go straight into the top corner that no one can do anything about a and guy who hasn't been playing recently and then that never takes free kicks <laughs> and then puts yeah. one in the post first, first goal in seven years someone said bad, afterwards and bad. I think it, when it's going for you it's going for you and yeah, certainly. They, you have to say, though, Brighton were on top in the lead-up to, to Glenn Murray's opener. They, they had a, a yeah, spell there at the second half. Really the well. second half. Um, but we could have easily folded at that point. They're 2-0 up and cruising. They've got their fans celebrating widely behind the goal. And at that stage, you think, oh, no, you know, this could be damage yeah. limitation. But Ian Holloway makes a change, brings Luke Freeman on and completely turns the game in our favour. And how many times have we said that? about substitutes coming off the bench mm. and directly or indirectly making a huge impact. Yeah, very much so. And I must admit, I was surprised when Luke was left out to start in 11 because um, you know, he was shortlisted for the player of the month in the Championship for March. And I think he, alongside Masanongo, has probably been our standout player, hasn't he, recently? But Oli gave his reasons for that. But he did. He made a real impact, didn't he? And then it was almost him spurring us on. I think it was his corner kick that led to the goal that Matt Smith reduced to Rears. Yeah, well, talking about Luke coming on, you know, he... he I've been a big, and I think we said on this show a few weeks ago, you know, how good he's been. Um, he's been better than good. He's been outstanding. Um, but, yeah, came on the other day, give us that sort of drive, energy, uh, creativity, if you like. Um, and from that moment on when he came on the pitch, we, we were back in the game. Matty got his goal, probably should have scored just before it. Um, you know, but um, a great header, fellow on the line could do nothing about it. Then we're back in it, the crowd's up, and anything can happen. So uh, that was a really... 
I really enjoyed the game actually. I know it was we a good advert yeah, for the championship. Yeah, no, it was it? a cracking game. They're a really good side, you know. And I, I saw Chris very briefly, who uh, I worked under at Tottenham there after the game, and he said um, that hasn't just happened. It's a couple of years of yeah. really hard work going in. You know, he thinks they've got a little bit of everything: creativity, they've got some resilience. But Paul was just on about Glenn Murray. You know, I think. Uh, they were humming and harm whether to take him for what he was going to cost them. And worth I think, every penny, eh? Yeah. I think worth every penny because I think the crux of the matter was Glenn actually said to them, I'll, I'll guarantee you 20 goals, yeah. which could be that. the difference. So uh, You talk about there, Chris, saying that he was very complimentary about QBR and I was down the tunnel and I heard him speaking to, to Ollie's wife actually and he was saying that you know QBR are looking a lot better now than they were when yeah. we played them at Christmas. And he said the difference is that he's been with his group of players for over 18 months and QBR at the start of this project that Ian, Ian yeah. Holloway's Ian Holloway's taken on. So, and interestingly, I, I spoke to a few people over the weekend that aren't real football fans or don't or are Premier League fans, clubs clubs in the Premier League. But they watched the game and they said you wouldn't really have been able to tell, especially for 45 minutes, who was the team that were at the top of the division, who were the team in the in the lower half. So, I think that's a bit of a compliment. I think as that's well credit to. to to where we are, where we've come from uh, in the last sort of three or four months. We're really, really competitive now in every game. Um, you know, you, you looked at that game the other night, you wouldn't have thought there was, what is it, 12 places, 13 places, 14 yeah. places separating the two teams, a, a big points difference. But uh, with just, as I say, that little bit of quality was probably just the difference. We're talking of fine margins from being top of the league to yeah. being mid-table, yeah. uh, and that's what it is. But uh, now really, really positive over the last few weeks. And just, just hopefully we results to show. Just hopefully we wouldn't finish the season. We're getting some more points on the board. Well, Dave, we're back here at Loftus Road. When was the last time you were back here at QPR? Uh, it was last season, wasn't it? Um, who was it against? Was it Rotherham? May have been Rotherham, and uh, had a few ex-players at that '76 side. Yeah, so yeah, it's always nice to be back. How does it feel when you come pitch side like we are at the moment and? I'd imagine uh, reminisce, don't you? I tell you what, the, for what little eyesight I've got, that pitch is a damn sign better than when we used to play on it, I can tell you. And, you know, as you always say, if you can't play football on these fo modern football pitches, yeah. But, you know, I was just thinking there, coming down on the train today from, from Durham area, it's quite, quite scary to think that I joined here in 1972, like 40, 45 years ago. And you think... Where's that gone? Where has that gone? But that's that's what we all say as we all get older. <laughs> time moves on, doesn't it? But, but uh, QPR fans still talk about that era and particularly that side of 75, 76. It was special. It was special. Sadly, we didn't. I know we didn't win it. But of those people who there'll be supporters here, remember that side tonight. And we just it was a dream to play, and we all knew what we had to do. The team. Very rarely changed. Um, four three three. We played regular. Don, Stan, myself, Jerry, Don Masson, Johnny Holland, or Mickey Leach, and as you know, Phil Parks, Dave Clement, Dave Webb, Frank. It just like rolled off, didn't it? You know, it was there every week. Totally different today. <laughs> totally different. I don't know who's starting, do you? <laughs> But when you arrived here at Loftus Road this evening, immediately you were greeted by QPR fans, autograph hunters, young and old, which must be great for you to come back and immediately the QPR fans are straight over to see you. Well, it, it, it's a special place for me, you know. <laughs> As I said, 
had five wonderful years here, absolutely fantastic. From the time Gordon Jago bought me, you know, the old chairman, Jim Gregory, we had great players, really top, top players. And you don't forget that. So you come back to QPR and you see it's special. And it, always one of the first results I look for, I want them to do well. And it, uh, it's a real homely club. And things like this where particularly Andy Sinton has got, tried to get it off the, off the ground and getting the ex-players back. And I think that's so, so important in the modern game now because I don't know whether they'll have that, you know, in another 10, maybe another 20 years' time because there's so many foreign players now. I'm not too sure whether that's there. I don't know. You're here to be inducted into the Forever Isles Club, the Ex-Players Association. Like you say, it's a newly formed club. Andy Sinton's doing a lot of work behind the scenes Amazing. to get you guys back. And it seems to mean a lot to you. It means a lot to the fans, but it means a lot to, to you as well. Well, I think so. I think that, you know, I mean, look, I've always said we've had our day. It's not a matter of... But it, it, it is nice to be remembered, particularly a lot of the fans of that particular era from 72 to 77, they saw the club literally grow and became a top, top side. As I say, we got pipped by a point by Liverpool. Sadly, we never continued, the team broke up. But you, you just don't really, and the thing is that I've found that when I finish playing football, you don't realize how important the fans are to the, to the football club. And I think that, as you saw, I've got my problems, you know. <coughs> Got my guide dog, and I just want to thank. You're getting quite emotional. Obviously, means a great deal to you. The the fans have donated so much money. Your current situation, not me, you, not me. because I put my heart and soul into raising funds for guide dogs. My dog here has changed my life. It's independent, but if you'd have said me 42 years ago, 45 years ago, I'd be like in the situation I am now. But none of us know what's around the corner. And there's people worse than me. There's people a lot worse. They've got cancers, they've got... It's not, but it does make you think when you have a major problem that I've had, that I wanted to do a lot. And, <laughs> QPR fan to be unbelievable unbelievable you've raised a lot of money for guide dogs obviously you suffer from glaucoma yourself and you've yeah. said that Hannah your guide dog here has completely transformed your life amazing because um, my wife bless her she used to have to take me everywhere car friends are going to take me in the car but now I'm qualified with her I get on the bus, I go into town. She's come down on the train today from Darlington. Amazing. Just, I just can't tell you. To get me into a supermarket or to go to a football ground before I got her, it was quite major. Lots of people coming. And I'm one of the fortunate ones. As I say, I've still got some sight. I've, my central vision's still not bad, but my peripheral is just completely, it's like a horse with blinkers on, completely shot to bits. But, uh, but for how long? Because... And as, as people do, and I, I was the one that I would thought exactly the same. I also used to think that people with a with a guide dog were totally blind, but it's not like that. It's it you know the, there's only four four and a, 
four and a four percent of people who have guide dogs who are totally around the rest the other 96 percent are like me partially sighted problems but i don't know what the future holds for me but i'm preparing for if there was folks completely losing my say then i've certainly got her <laughs> and um it just costs so much to train them it's just incredible incredible and she gets <laughs> lots of admiration <laughs> You know, she's just so chilled out. Quite incredible. And I understand your golf certainly hasn't suffered. My golf, I still play. Uh, needless to say, I've got to ask my friends to stand behind me because if it goes up to the right and to the left, I have a problem. But, um, yeah, I still play my golf. Not, nothing puts me off. Nothing. I'm very determined. And, uh, you know, as I said, when you lose your licence and driving licence, that's life-changing to a lot of people. But... I take it on the chin, I'm always very positive, I never get depressed. And if I completely lose my sight, I've got a great imagination if I did where I am and things like that. But but it, <laughs> it's the dogs that do it. And it means a lot to you, the support you've had from QPR fans, from football fans generally, in terms of raising money for these guide dogs. One QPR supporter, bless him, him or her, anonymous, they donate a £1,000 to my child. It's just quite unique and you know and thanks also you know as I said to you I want to thank all the supporters here sincerely Sky Sports did it and that was the best advertising ever it just rocketed with the Sky Sports thanks to Sky and Dickie Davis organised it for me bless him and um, yeah you don't forget that and because uh, none of us know what's around the corner do we and I think that's that's the important factor of it, really, is that you just hope that with some play here tonight, 45 years' time, could be in exactly the same position as me. Hope they're not, but it does happen, doesn't it? And that's life. you just got to get on with it and be very positive and, um, and just think positive. But getting back to the football club itself, it's just, you know, I, I watched a clip. Well, my, my daughter's got it because I don't do internet or, and they show me on YouTube and I watched it, and it was 1976. We played Leeds here. We beat them 2-0, and I just could not believe the crowd. It was absolutely heaving, and because it's a very compact ground, QP. I always remember the European matches we had. It was just like electric, and there would be old Jim Gregory. We're on a on a. I always just remember crowd bonus. If anything over 25,000 pounds, 25,000, we get a we get a bonus and in the paper the following morning it was 18,000 <laughs> so there'd be Stan knocking on the door or, or, or the or the committee saying, what are you doing and he, he but that was that was Jim but he was good to the club he was a good good chairman in the for I mean as I say a real wheelie dealer guy but uh, you, you don't forget those sort of people really and they were what I call real chairman then you know duckers and divers and that, that's life but uh, they were great they were great but it's a special place and a great club it really is it means a lot to me always has done always will do they were great days great days Andy great to hear from the legend that is Dave Thomas there and uh, it was a remarkable evening and um, certainly you and Paul were, were part of it at half time and I'll speak to Paul in a second about that but you were in his company for, for the majority of the night and he, uh, he had a whale of a time 
He certainly did. He was really complimentary. Um, you know, he sent me a, uh, he didn't send me, he sent me a text and uh, rang me on Saturday to say he was home and how much he had enjoyed the, the day. Uh, thanks to everyone at the club from, you know, people who've organised to get him down, from Les who spent time with him, from Lee Hughes who spent time with him after the game, you know. So, um, well, first of all, he's a fantastic player. He's fantastic. He's a legend of the club. Uh, unfortunately, the age that people get, things creep in, you know, mm. and it's it's not nice to see. But what I love about Dave Thomas, and I spent an hour or so at the hotel when I picked him up to get him to the game, so positive, mm. so positive. You know, he, he says there's people far worse than me, and he's got that outlook on life. Uh, and since he's got the dog, that's probably given him that fresh impetus, if you like. Yeah, new lease of but, life. He, but he wakes up every morning thankful for what he's got. Now, here's someone who's losing his sight. You would half forgive him for being really negative and down, but he's he's completely the other way. You know, he's thankful for what he's got, he's thankful for what people are doing for him, and he's thankful he can get up every day and enjoy his life. And you conducted that interview with Dave on Friday, Paul, and he was visibly shaken, wasn't he? He was moved by it all, just being back at Loftus Road, where people think so much of him. Yeah, well, I, obviously we we spoke to him there. If we we've just heard before the game, and you can hear him getting uh, visibly upset, and he's he's getting upset because he's almost almost so taken aback by the support he's been given, the impact yeah. the dog has had on his life and the support he got from QPR fans, from football fans, to enable him to have that that dog as well. So he, he's, he's almost happy tears, if you like. Um, and after the game, uh, sorry, after the interview, his wife Brenda was chatting to you since and um, she said to me, did he get upset so I said he got a bit emotional and she said he tends to do that when he's he's talking about the, the impact that, that the dog has had on his life because it's completely changed mm. his life for him yeah. it's given him his independence back um so I was half anticipating that might be the case at half time when he yeah. when we spoke to him at half time and obviously he got really upset um similarly at half time but the reaction of the QPR fans mm. it's just Unbelievable! Obviously, yeah, amazing, Andy, you, you came him. over to put your arm around him when he was yeah, struggling just to, to get him a little bit. his words out, and there was just that pause while he he sort of gathered himself, composed himself. Yeah, and yeah. during that pause, there's just this roar went up, and you have mm. to also a special mention to the Brighton fans, yeah, because the Brighton fans mm. gave him a really it, nice fantastic bit as well, of support yeah. as well. It was, it was a, a great moment, and like you were saying earlier, uh, Ian, it's what the forever ours is yeah, it's all, all about. about isn't it? guidedogs.org.uk forward slash QPR to sponsor a guide dog puppy and change a life for someone and um, it, like you've just said there Paul it is what it's all about it was great to see Warren Neal back as well Andy who um, the QPR fans love as well and he got a fantastic reception too yeah quite rightly so Warren you know what's he he had 230 odd games yep. he served the club as a coach yep. um, you know, he, he loves the club. He was saying he hadn't been back for three, three, four years, you know, so uh, he's going to play in our golf day. So it's just what you were saying about the forever hours is just getting back engaged with these mm. players who've done well for the club yep. over, over the years, make them feel appreciated, remembered. Uh, and as I say, he got a fantastic reception in his own right, and quite rightly so. And it is a, sorry, it is a amazing as well. You talk about the forever hours, the impact it has, and like you say, it's almost re-engaging with these people that perhaps the... the the club haven't been in contact with over the years before the game I saw Ian Gillard arrived he was with his son and his grandson yep. and the three of them going up to watch the game and, and you think go back 10 years and I think there had been a big period where Ian Gillard hadn't been back at the club yep. in forever yeah. and, and now, you suddenly know, it's three now generations you've got three Gillard generations family. walking through the front and door. also if you look at that you know you're talking about Gilly who um, is loving his role that we've, uh, we've we've sort of given him or handed to him you know but also the other night 
under the radar. Dennis Bailey was back watching the game. You know, Martin Rowlands was back watching the game. Gary Chivers was back watching the game, who played for both. So, uh, as I say, that's what it's all about, getting people back to the stadium in front of the QPR fans, albeit in a the spotlight or in a backward sort of behind-the-scenes role. And uh, it's going really well. It shows the quality of the squad that's here at QPR. You've come in, had an incredible impact, nominated for the Championship Player of the Month, were rewarded as the Air Asia March Player of the Month from QPR and found yourself on the bench. Yeah, no, no, exactly. It sums up, like I said, the squad we've got here, you know, I think throughout the whole squad in depth, we've got so much, so much ability, you know, uh, and that's positive. It's good. You need that as a season. It's, it's not just the short term. You've got to think long term and in a year you need that, that squad to, to help you and, and, and the competitiveness between the players as well. So, yeah. You've been here for two months now. How are you enjoying life as a QPR player? Yeah, no, thoroughly enjoying it. It uh, seems like it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really, but um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm uh, happy to be here, for sure. And on a Friday, we make the trip to Bristol City, your old stomping ground. Not sure of the reception you'll get? No, I'm not too sure uh, at the moment. Um, so I'll have to just deal with that on the day. But the most important thing is, is preparing right this week and uh, getting three points away from home. Fond memories from your time at Ashton Gate? Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, I had promotion there, you know, from the League One to the Championship and the JPT final at Wembley's, you know, so I've had some, some great times down there. Uh, but in football, some things need to, need to be done and I felt like it was time for me to move on. And from our point of view, while we have played well in two of the last three matches, it is three defeats on the spin. A big opportunity to get back on track. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, we're going in with a positive mindset. Uh, we'll do our homework and, and on and off the pitch uh, this week, and we're looking forward to the game. Luke Freeman there looking ahead to Friday's game, isn't it? It's a Friday game this weekend, Good Friday, against his old club, Bristol City. And uh, you sense that a mixed reception might be on the cards, <laughs> but it's a game he's certainly looking forward to, Paul. Yeah, I think he is. And... Uh, yeah, it was I the think, circumstances, wasn't it? He made it quite clear in January that a move to QBR appealed to him. Obviously, he's coming towards the end of his contract. Um, so it was a kind of a deal that worked for both parties, but I think it was a way it was kind of dragged throughout January yeah. and then almost on the eve of the window, he was a QBR player. Yeah, it became a bit difficult, but yeah, I think it probably will be a, a mixed reception, but I mean, it tends to happen now, football, doesn't yeah. it? But he was there for two and a half years. He did very well during his time there as well, but certainly he and... Matt Smith will be hoping to get all three points for, for QPR on Friday night. It'll be, I think, a far tougher test than many are anticipating because yeah. a lazy glance at the league table when you say, oh, they're fourth from bottom and fighting to avoid relegation, only four points off the bottom three. OK, that is the case, but their recent form, particularly at home, is excellent. They've only lost one of their last seven at home and throw into that they beat Huddersfield 4-0, drew 1-1 with Norwich, um, and beat Wolves 3-1 the last two games beat Wolves 3-1 and Huddersfield 4-0 the last two games at Ashton Gate so they're certainly a team that are in form particularly at home so I'd imagine this is going to be perhaps a tougher test than many are anticipating Yeah it's a funny old one really because they were calling for, for the gaffer's head weren't they uh, just last weekend when they lost at was it Fulham? Preston um, beat them 5 in oh, midweek yeah. yeah Preston beat them 5 and you know, every, everyone was calling for for his head and then they, they turn that round and get get a good win at the weekend so it will be tough um, Ashton Gate um, never an easy place to go it's renowned for being quite a hostile atmosphere um, and that'll be the case again on Good Friday they're fighting for their lives you know the 
Paul just saying the beat Wolves. Wolves have been going like a train. Mm. So the beat Wolves. Yeah, Paul uh, Lambert was manager yeah, month. In the, in the circumstance, you know, uh, fighting for their lives, four points above the drop zone. They'll see there's an opportunity to get more points on the board and claw themselves away and uh, get themselves close at the QPR. Ashton Gates always hostile. Luke going back. Also, Ollie going back, yeah. haven't spent a lot of time in the blue section of yeah. uh, Bristol. I'm sure he's I'm sure really he'll be really looking forward <laughs> to that and some of the songs they're going to sing. But uh, it's not about Holly going back; it's about his team preparing his team and us trying to get uh, the three points. So we're ten points clear of the drop zone still. Uh, it looks like the three at the bottom are, are almost uh, their race is almost run, should we say? Blackburn look like they they could be joining um, Rotherham and, and obviously Wigan are, are on the brink as well now. What is what is the challenge for QBR? What what are we trying to achieve between now and the end of the season? I think it's five games to go. Is it is it a case of as many points as possible, or do you see this period as a uh, a classic time, an ideal time for Ollie to continue to experiment like he did to a certain extent on Friday? I think it's a little bit of both. As uh, the five games, there will be some uh, some experiments, if you like. I'm not sure that's the right word because the players that he's bringing in, you know, experiment yeah. with them. They're good players. Um, but you know, uh, I think I've said on this um, pod before. I, w- I would like to see us finish well. You know, get the optimism up during yeah. the summer. So Ollie will be saying to me, "Sir, we're, we're going to give, what, what's the aim? Five five wins. Yeah. Now that will be the aim, whether you get them or not, with squad rotation or uh, whatever that comes into it. But he'll prepare his team. They've got their pride. We won as many points as we have. You know, what did we finish last year? Sixty-one points. Yeah. So we need eleven to to beat that. To, I think his, his first aim is going to be ending three three defeats yep. in a row because yep. it, he said after the game against Brighton, we've lost three in a row and this hurts like hell. Yep. So I'm sure he'll be mindful of the six defeats in a row That's in December yeah. and he, he won't want yeah, it to be, all right, we have been playing well in the, in the last two games and against tough sides, but the reality is we, we've lost three on the spin. We certainly don't want the season to, to be ending on a downer because we had that spell through March, great run of results, and already people were thinking, cool, <coughs> next yep. season's going to be season, great. Yeah. So what we don't want is to the the season just to filter away and peter out. Yeah, yeah, peter out. That's it, and and become disappointing. And then obviously there'll be the natural excitement yeah. next season. And I think you're right because whilst there was the disappointment of the Villa and the and the Brighton defeats, I think that people could almost accept it because of the manner of the performance, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. But you are right. And then if you look after Bristol, Bristol City, then you got a massive game against one of your former clubs. Sheffield Wednesday and they're fighting to hold on to sixth place with, with Fulham and a couple of others on their tail now. No easy game, we, we, we say it, the old cliche, you know, there's no easy games. This stage of the season, you're usually playing for someone that's fighting for their lives yeah. at the bottom yeah. or someone that's really fighting for their lives. You know, we've just done Brighton. Yeah. You can see what it meant to Brighton's fans the other night. You know, they were celebrating. They that knew felt like a massive win mm, from the way they, they celebrated. Yeah. In they knew fans. that was going to be a hard game. They, the they, game they probably that. looked at the fixtures and probably thought QBR at home with QBR's home form Friday night, packed house almost. That's going to be one of their toughest hurdles. They overcome that and they celebrated like, not they were there, but almost they've taken a giant step towards it yeah then we go to to bristol city fighting for the lives then we got sheffield wednesday fighting for the lives the the other way then you go forest you know fighting Mm. for the lives and norwich brentford chucked in there as well brentford you know local derby and probably norwich who by that time maybe whatever but still a big game to finish off yeah yeah it's certainly going to be an interesting end to the season we'll be bringing you all the reaction and action over the coming weeks on the Loftcast, so we'll see you again in a couple of weeks' time.